Wildling Press presents How Do I Book? Welcome to How Do I Book by Wildling Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. I'm Mary, and today we're talking about a very important topic, how do we prevent book banning in our communities? This week is Banned Books Week. It actually started on Sunday, October 1st, and goes through October 7th. Fan Books Week was launched in 1982 in response to a sudden surge in the number of challenges to books in libraries, bookstores, and schools. Typically held during the last week of September or early October, the annual event highlights the value of free and open access to information and brings together the entire book community in shared support of the freedom to seek and to express ideas. This Banned Books Week is it's called Let Freedom Read. And this topic is especially important this year in 2023 because there's been a big resurgence in book bans, book challenges, book censorship. Between January 1st and August 31st of this year, the Office of Intellectual Freedom reported 695 separate attempts to censor library materials. And those covered 1,915 unique book titles which is a 20% increase from the same report from last year, 2022. And 2022 saw the highest number of book challenges in more than 20 years. So we're really in a resurgence of book bans and book challenges in 2023. The vast majority of those challenges were to books written by or about people of color or members of the LGBTQIA plus community. This is a topic that is at this point nationwide, I think a lot of people are aware of certain states where this is happening, Florida, Texas, maybe people have heard about those instances, but it's really everywhere. For example, in in the state where I live in Virginia, the Samuels Public Library in Warren County, which has been open since 1799, is in danger of closing right now because 75% of its funding is being withheld by the county over the fact that a, a small group called the Cleanup Samuels Group wants at least 53 books banned from its shelves, including many with LGBTQ references. Um, We are recording this, I'll say that, on October 1st, and they were supposed to ideally come to some sort of agreement by the end of September, Uh, but it's a Sunday right now, so I'm sure there's no update on that. Hopefully by the time this episode comes out, which is October 3rd, we'll have some sort of update on that, and hopefully the library stayed open, but we'll see. But it's, it's happening all over 12 states across the U.S., Texas, Montana, Missouri, Arizona, Georgia, Illinois, Louisiana, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Wyoming have either left or voted for their state libraries to leave the ALA, which is the American Library Association. That's the oldest and largest library association in the world whose purpose is to promote quality information services and access to information for all. Um, and I think a lot of people know about what's happening both in, in Florida and Texas. Texas, they've removed entire school libraries and replaced them with, it's like behavioral centers, I think they're calling them instead. Yeah, so it's not ha- not just happening in certain states. I wanted to give some examples. It's happening everywhere and in just about every state in the U.S. So today I'm bringing on a very special guest 
Jennifer Duell works at the Richmond Public Library. And Jennifer, thank you so much for being with me today. First of all, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, her. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with books and libraries? Yes. So I work at Richmond Public Library. I am the Interim Library Community Services Manager in charge of outreach and engagement. And in this role, I oversee the library's website, our social media, marketing, and outreach efforts. I've been in this role for just over two years, but prior to that, I was a children's librarian with Richmond Public Library, as well as a young adult coordinator. So I've worked with a lot of the age groups where these book challenges are taking place. Before becoming a librarian, I taught in the public school system for nine years. And then on the personal side, I'm a second generation librarian. My mom was also one. So I spent a lot of my free time growing up in libraries and surrounded by books. So you could say that the importance of reading and literacy has been ingrained in me probably since I was in the womb. So (laughs) books have always been a big part of my life. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I wanted to um, invite you on here specifically because... You know, I love books too, and they've been a part of my life forever, but I haven't, I've worked in libraries, but not as a librarian. So I have some experience with how book challenges work, but I wanted someone on here who had some real experience with it, who's actively as a, working as a librarian in, in these years where we're seeing this resurgence. So thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. All right. Can you just basically tell us what book banning is, what a book challenge is? you know, how those things work, how they happen. Sure. So there is a difference between book banning and book challenging. Often people use these terms interchangeably, but they are not the same thing exactly. According to the American Library Association, which you mentioned earlier, a challenge is an attempt to remove or restrict materials based upon the objections of a person or a group. And the banning is actually the removal of the materials. So I, well... Not ideally, because none of these situations are really ideal. But um, the way things should work is that the the challenge should come first, and then there should be a formal process in place according to whatever institution is in question, where a committee evaluates the book against their um, material selection policy and then makes a determination regarding whether or not the challenge is valid or has merit. This process is put in place to ensure that all materials are evaluated using a set of objective criteria, not personal opinions or beliefs. Unfortunately, lately, we've seen that sometimes this process is subverted or undermined, either by the institution and their administration or by a higher authority, such as an elected official, a school superintendent, or board members which means that sometimes the books are just removed without going through that process of committee evaluation, which, as you can imagine, has its own sort of circumstances and uh, results from that. Yeah, and it's interesting because when I did work at a library a few, few years ago, they taught us about the process of challenging a book. Any patron can, at least at the library I worked, can fill out a form to question why a book is on shelves. And... Like you said, that that committee will review that title. I think it's interesting because a lot of the people that are really, really pushing to ban books, trying to ban them in bulk um, or restrict them in bulk, which we'll talk about in a minute, try to say that they're not banning books. They try to be like really adamant about the fact that they people don't use that language. We're not banning books. This isn't Nazi Germany. Um, you know, we're just thinking about where they belong in the library and restricting access to them. But the issue that I see and that a lot of people like me see and librarians see is not with challenging a book. It's not 
with having a real question about the content of a book and whether it should be in the library. It's doing this in bulk without having read the the books, first of all. Um, Many of them are without having read the books, without taking in the context of the full book. A lot of people who talk about, you know, a book that's sexually explicit or something like that, they're taking a page out of the book. Or they're just going by what someone else in their political group a lot of times say about a book versus reading it. And a librarian is someone who, like you said, this committee has been trained to not let personal biases affect what they offer at the library. And that's just so important to keep those personal biases out. Correct. Correct. I mean, most libraries, pretty much all libraries have a, a policy that outlines how they collect materials and has certain criteria for the inclusion or exclusion of materials in the library's collection. And so when a librarian or librarians decide to purchase and add books to the collection, they're following that criteria. And so when it's challenged, the the hope is that they are just really taking a second look to see if that criteria was followed as it was set up to be. Um, And so, yeah, it is meant to be non-biased. It is meant to be not personal because the library is for everyone. The books within a library are for everyone. And we certainly don't want to exclude anything based on one group or person's beliefs as, you know, that would reduce access or eliminate access for another group that might really benefit from them. Right. I spoke to another librarian who said, they mentioned the number of books that are in their library. And it's, of course, a huge number. And I wish I could remember that number because they said that they have thousands of titles. If there's nothing in there that you disagree with, then they're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. So have you seen, in in your experience so far, have you seen a change in the culture around book banning or excuse me, book restrictions or book challenges in the past year or two? Yeah, I mean, we've been lucky at Richmond Public Library in the eight years that our director's been there, there haven't been any challenges at all. Wow. Um, so we feel we feel really good about that. Um, mm-hmm. it, one, we feel like that means we're doing a good job following our collection development policy. But two, we just feel really proud of our community. I think it indicates that our community understands the importance of having a variety and depth of books in our in our collection. But of course, as you talked about earlier, statewide and nationally, I've definitely seen the trends. It's definitely a topic that comes up in professional development and communities of learning within library world. Book bans and challenges have been around forever, but there has been a notable increase in the last few years. I think you mentioned the numbers earlier. It's like doubled and then doubled again in the last two years. So, you know, there are a lot of ways that we could speculate uh, what the reasons for this are. I feel like we're seeing an increase of the involvement of local and national advocacy groups, whereas before it might have been one parent or a couple parents sort of challenging one book. Now you're seeing advocacy groups getting involved and making sort of mass challenges. So tens and sometimes hundred books at a time, they're calling out for this. We're also seeing it become a political platform where you see a lot of politicians talking about it as well. And so it's becoming uh, more of a nationwide conversation. Some states have even passed laws that restrict schools and libraries on certain books that they can collect where there previously had really been a separation and libraries had been allowed to and been trusted to make those decisions within their institutions. And and then the things that the data is not collecting is that some schools and libraries are 
are afraid and making these those decisions before they even purchase the materials. So they're censoring their collection before those books wow. even become a part of it, which not to say that's right, but I do understand it. You know, it's, right. there's a lot yeah. of fear going on right now. But those are numbers that we don't, can't even capture right now. So I think right. the, the data that you're giving is probably on the low end of the sen- censorship spectrum of what we're seeing. Man, I didn't even think about that, that before the they even make their decisions about what books to, they're like, if this is going to be a hassle, people are going to challenge this, I won't even introduce this into our collection. Yes. Wow. I know that you're from uh, Richmond Public Library System. I live in Goochland County, which is um, a more rural county outside of Richmond. So probably 30 minutes maybe from the Richmond Public Library is where I live. And that county's library is part of the Pamunkey Regional Mm. Library System, which also includes three other counties, Hanover County, King William, and King and Queen Counties. And that library system is having a lot of this discussion right now and a lot of this issue. Um, And actually, I tried to... Well, I'll just say I, I tried to speak to a couple of librarians at some of those libraries. Let's just say that so no one gets in trouble. And they were... They were happy to help with resources, but they did not want to go on record saying anything because they're so afraid for their jobs right now. Yeah. Because because the library board there runs and decide, makes decisions about the library and is becoming even more powerful. They've given themselves more control over the library and what goes into it. So people that work there are really fearful about where their future is in, in libraries. So that's just really interesting. And then you mentioned... The fact that it's going from maybe a, a book challenge, a single patron challenging one single book at a time. That's what happened at Samuels Public Library where they, this group, Clean Up Samuels, actually had a couple of events. They had barbecues where they promised uh, they would also have beer and babysitting um, and book banning is mm-hmm. what they promised. Mm-hmm. And this, these groups got together and filled out more than 500 challenge forms to ask for for books to be banned. And the number that I I saw was more than 53 titles, but I think it's more than that. And I'm sorry that if I get that wrong, but they're and now they're withholding 75% of the library's funding until some sort of agreement to be can be reached. And I'm sure that agreement would need to include taking those books out of the library. Mm -hmm. So it's not the problem is not with these like single book challenges, questioning of certain books in library. It's this bigger movement of certain very loud groups who tend to also be small groups, but they tend to be very loud and vocal about it, um, who are filling out mass forms for challenging books and restricting books. Um, and especially in these counties, like in my county, actually where I live, I don't have internet access technically. I'm very lucky that I am able to try other forms of getting internet at my house, like through my phone or going to someone else's house to use the internet. I'm very lucky in that space, but a lot of people in in my county and other counties don't have access to the internet, and the library is their access to resources. So a lot of people are trying to say, we're not banning books. People can get books, these same books elsewhere. We're just trying to move them to a different section or restrict access to them, or just remove them from this one library. But for a lot of people in these counties, that is their access. Mm -hmm. So that is book banning. And people are trying to say they're not doing that. But when you're taking away someone's ability to access a book, what else is book banning? Yes. You know, so yes, if it's being removed from the collection, even if there are other ways that it's accessible, yes, it's a ban. 
Yes. Uh, I went to the Pamunkey Regional Library System board meeting last week, and there was citizens time, which is great. Each citizen gets three minutes to talk. It's definitely not enough time to speak on these issues. But, you know, they let everyone speak. And it was I definitely appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning of the board meeting, one of the board members got up and was like, I just wanted to say first that I've heard people use this term book banning, and that's really not fair. They're comparing us to Nazi Germany, and I don't want to hear that language used. It's really not what we're doing here today, which was such a blow before citizens get to get up and talk about the fact that, right. you know, these restrictions. To, so luckily, I, you know, I changed what I said a little bit to just being restricting access, mm-hmm. which censorship, mm-hmm. censorship, yes, but it's just also censoring the language they're allowed to use when talking about it is just feels more even more yes. like censorship to me. Mm-hmm. What kind of books are you seeing being banned or challenged? Yeah, I mean, I think it is fairly obvious that there are specific groups being targeted, whether or not they are the authors or the characters or the content of the books, there are definitely some common themes in the books that are being challenged. Pen America actually did a big study on this. And they found mm-hmm. that Most of the books that are being challenged either include a prominent character of color or that directly address race and racism or include a character um, that identifies as LGBTQIA+, or have themes based around that. Or a third thing that is usually brought under fire is books with sexual content or addressing puberty, sexuality, or sexual encounters, including informational books. So those seem to be like the three big categories that these particular groups and individuals are targeting. Yeah, at this library meeting that I was at, one of the people that got up and spoke in support of restricting access to books, you know, talked about because it's sexually explicit materials. That's a term that people use a lot in this discussion in support of restricting access. But then all of the examples were about gender. (laughs) Like none of her examples that she used were actually about sexually explicit things. It was about gender, biological gender versus gender expression, Mm -hmm. things like that. So people can say what they want, but it's pretty obvious. Restrictions are more out of a personal fear, a personal bias than about protecting children, which is also another phrase that's used a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, book challenges are taking place in mass, basically. And so you do question, are the people that are challenging these books, have they actually read them? Or are they just grouping them all together based on a commonality and not evaluating them individually? for content and merit and all of that. I think that in a lot of these situations, they lack a clear definition of what it is exactly that they have issue with. They kind of use a umbrella phrase like sexually explicit, and then they lump everything under that. And much of what falls under that in in their argument is not in fact sexually explicit, where if we had a, a really solid definition, if the committees that are working on these challenges developed a really strong definition, or if their collection development policies had that in there, you could really you could really objectively evaluate these books rather than just putting your feelings or your own personal beliefs behind it. Yeah, and that actually brings me to my next question about why it is that librarians 
are better set up to make these decisions about books than just an average patron. So librarians, to be a librarian, you have to have a master's degree in library and information science. So you go through two years post-bachelor's degree, becoming educated on specifically the history, the goals, the, uh, the reasons for the library and why the library exists, and sort of the basic tenets of what makes libraries so important to communities. You learn how to develop collection development policy, how to follow that when building a collection and maintaining a collection. You learn about how to work with different groups of people, the importance of, you know, respecting and uplifting diversity. All of these things are covered in your education. On top of that, we don't work in isolation, we work as a group. And so we develop these procedures and policies so that, you know, no one person is really making these big decisions. And so often that does include a library director, it includes a collection development manager, it includes some a lot of times the library board. So there are lots of checks and balances that happen within a library system to ensure that we are really upholding our mission, which is to represent every group of people, you know, a diverse group of ideas to give access to all. These are sort of the tenets of what we are as a library system. And and it takes sort of a whole group to do that, to ensure that we are doing that and respecting those pillars of who we are as an organization. I think a lot of people, while they know that librarians are well-educated and have to be trained well for their jobs. I think a lot of people don't realize that it's a master's degree level position. You can't just maybe get an English degree and like books and go work at your public library. Well, as a librarian. Correct. So you can work there. And I think Mm -hmm. you will never hear a librarian correct a patron or a customer if they call somebody a librarian that's not. Because to the larger community, we are all librarians and, you know, we don't really... The distinction for the most basic level doesn't really matter. But when it comes to making these big decisions for a library system, such as collection development and management, that does fall on a degreed librarian or librarians to make those calls. Right. So why do you think this topic of how to prevent book bans or book challenges, not challenges, censorship, why do you think this is an important topic? Yeah, I mean, it goes really back to our First Amendment rights um, and our ability to express ideas and also to receive ideas. It's really what our democracy was built on. And so if you start challenging that, if you start taking away those opportunities, then you're really chipping away at our ideals as a democratic society. You could even argue that it violates civil rights because a lot of the groups that are being affected by this are protected groups and they're being targeted by these bans. So it's troublesome, not just on a small level at the library, but it's troublesome on a greater level as a country. Who do we want to be as a society? The other thing that I think of is that if we start restricting people's ability to consider other ideas, to be exposed to other ideas, be exposed to other people's experiences, we're kind of stunting our own growth. You know, we're <laughs> we're preventing ourselves from being able to grow as a society, to uh, learn from each other, to be able to sort of build and become greater as a, a country. So unfortunately, there are numerous examples throughout our past where book bans have and book challenges have been an issue. So you don't really need to look too far back to see why it's problematic. 
Then there have been more recent studies with our education system and why it is bad for kids and students. Studies have shown that if kids are exposed to books where they can see themselves, where they are able to read about experiences similar to their own, that they do better with their education, that they excel further. So if you remove that, especially from certain groups, then you are, you're hindering them from achieving to the level that they could potentially achieve. You're also sending a pretty strong message to these kids that, you know, their stories are not as important or there is an issue with them or perhaps some shame behind them that, that all students shouldn't be exposed to them. On the flip side of that, when you have kids read about other kids' lived experiences, they grow in empathy. They learn to um, understand what other people go through. They learn to understand and respect differences. And so you're, you're removing that ability for kids to grow in that way too. So, you know, it has so many repercussions that I don't think people think about. I really could go on and on about this all day, to be honest with you, because it, it just hits in so many different spaces and in so many different ways. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think about the fact that some people who want books restricted talk about moving books from the children's section to adult or having a specific area, even in the back of the library, like a, a special place where you have to get, you know, permission to go back there as a kid. So for instance, like if they're struggling with their gender identity, something like that, and they just want to see what's out there, see, get some good advice about how to feel healthy and happy. And they can't even access that without letting the library, library and their parents know what they're doing. The shame that goes along with that, it's going to keep those kids from accessing those materials that can still ban that book from that person still doing damage yes it's still doing damage so what would you say to a community member who wants to help prevent book bans i mean first and foremost become informed listening to this podcast is a great start understanding what book bans book challenges book censorship means understanding what the process is with regard to book challenges and then specifically looking into your community and what's going on there attending meetings attending library meetings attending school board meetings um being informed on that level and then if you're comfortable and feel strongly about certain issues gaining the courage to speak up because i think that it if you are in opposition to this you need to, and others in opposition need to have just as loud of a voice as those who are making the challenges. Sometimes that might look like just sharing on social media. Sometimes that might mean speaking up at these meetings. As I said, you could write a letter to your editor at the local paper. You could write into your legislatures, letting them know what your opinion is. Um, So there are lots of ways, depending on your comfort level and what you are interested in doing, that you can not only be informed, but also sort of join the cause. You're right. It's so important because you can't know that these things are happening in your community or in in nearby communities or even nationwide until you get informed about it. I live my life in books. I love books. I'm at the library all the time. And I still didn't know that all this was happening within my own community. And I started actually paying attention, looking into it. And, you know, it's happening a lot in my own community. So becoming informed is really important because otherwise you don't know even where to start when it comes to preventing book bans. Exactly. What's the number one thing you want people to know about book bans and censorship and how to prevent them? 
I think the number one thing is just don't believe everything that you hear or that you read, whether it's in the news or through your community. Take the time to really look into your yourself, educate yourself about what is going on, and take the time to read the books that are in question. Yes. It's very easy, not just with book banning, but you know, a variety of issues to sort of hear what is being put out there in the media to just believe it and run with it, you know, very convincing arguments. But I think it's so important to make those decisions for yourself because you will undoubtedly have your own opinions on things and things are not always going to be as they seem based on a certain group's opinions or arguments that they're putting out. So definitely take the time to read, exercise your right to read, look at these books, specifically the ones that are being challenged and think for yourself about it. Absolutely. You know, I talked to another library director too, who's in a county where a lot of this is happening. And the biggest thing that they asked as far as what I could do is to talk about it. Mm -hmm. If I am someone who doesn't want books to be banned or censored um, or restricted in my public library, I have to be vocal about it because the groups who do want to censor books and restrict them are very vocal and very organized. Um, And I think a lot of people like me seem to think that it won't affect them Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Either they think it's happening elsewhere or they think it's not really going to go that far. They think, oh, it's just a few people who are, you know, maybe more extreme. The county itself is not going to go for this. There are laws in place. But these groups are really organized. They are getting on school boards. They're getting on library boards. They're being elected to your local government. So it's really important that we don't just sit by and let this happen, that we do whatever we can to help at least show others that you support free access to your local library and to resources and school libraries too. Absolutely. There's lots of resources out there. We talked about Banned Books Week, which is from the 1st through the 7th. So that's happening now. Friday is Let Freedom Read Day. Um, If you go to bannedbooksweek.org, they've got a list of small ways that you can get more involved. Let Freedom Read Day is where everyone is asked to do at least one thing to help prevent censorship, either in their community or nationwide. So bannedbooksweek.org. Also, Jen, do you know who the chair of Banned Books Week is? Yes, LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton, yes. <laughs> I, I'm just living for that. I love it so much. <laughs> it's bringing me back to my childhood. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anyways, I had to say that. So even if you only join for LeVar Burton, do it. <laughs> and then, Jen, as you mentioned, Pen America. That's pen.org. They have a lot of resources. The ALA as well, which is the American Library Association, has a lot of data and resources on how to help. That's ALA.org. And then also, like you said, maybe, you know, talking to your local librarian, doing some research into your local news, because I found a lot of local stories on book bans and censorship in my own community that I hadn't seen before I started looking into this. So lots of ways that you can get involved. And I'll also put all of these into the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for being on here with me today. I really wanted someone who you know, had the actual experience, knew what they were talking about when it comes to censorship versus challenges versus book bans. And I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you for having me. And that's how you book. This episode was recorded by me, Mary Brooke. Our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Our theme music was produced by Jason Hilton at Negative Selections on Instagram. Please check out the show notes and visit us online at Wildling Press on social media or at wildlingpress.com.